Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas as we roll out our weekly radio show and Facebook Live in the studio here. If you're new to the show, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom, and particularly as they relate to the courts, the legislature, and the media. And a lot of times the work that we do in the state of Texas impacts things in other parts of the country, and sometimes, unfortunately, things that happen in other parts of the country try to negatively impact Texas, and sometimes it's in it for a positive way. Don't get me wrong. Let's try to be positive here on a Friday. It's Friday, right? It's sort of the end of the week for some people. We'll see how that turns out. But we got a lot to talk about today. And, you know, look, there are some things happening nationally that are at least trying to have an impact on the state of Texas, some positive and some negative. And and one of the things that we're going to talk about today is no doubt a story that was breaking when we were doing the show last week which was comments that were being made by a former congressman from the state of Texas, Beto O'Rourke, in regards of attacks that he wanted to engage in and really wanted the government to engage in as it relates to churches. And someone who's going to help talk to us about that is our guest today. Pastor Dave Welch is our guest today on the Texas Values Report. He and I have been friends for quite a long time. He is the director of the Texas Pastor Council and the Houston Area uh, Pastor Council, He lives in the greater Houston area, and for 30 years, he's held numerous leadership positions, uh, director of Christian Coalition in another state, national field director for Christian Coalition efforts, and he's an ordained minister in the Grace International and also a licensed minister with Church of God in Christ. Pastor Welch, welcome back to the Texas Values Report. Great to be with you, Jonathan, as always. Well, look, you know, you and I have done a lot of work together over the years. We've had to push back and respond to comments by elected officials, uh, subpoenas by government officials. You've had that issue touch you personally and directly. So lately, or here's what we saw, the most recent example of this, the government trying to get into the business of what churches do. These comments from Beto O'Rourke, the former Texas congressman. Also, he ran for Senate. I, I guess he's still in the presidential race at, at this point, technically or you know officially, however that works with the Democratic Party. But he made comments in a town hall or, or a presidential forum recently, making it clear that he thinks the government should remove tax-exempt status for college, churches, and charities because of their biblical views on marriage. How did you and your crew feel about that? Well, you know, my first response, and just in listening to Beto's remarks, were that it was the the, the dying gasps of a dying campaign that became desperate to get attention, uh, which I think was frankly what, what he was really uh, about in terms of his motives. But let's look at the bigger picture here, because frankly, it wasn't just that, because what he was articulating, frankly, was the mindset of the entire Democrat Party toward the church today and the uh, free speech and free exercise rights under the First Amendment to practice religion, exercise it freely uh, without being punished by the the federal government. And that's really what what this is, is the willingly use of of federal power to silence opposition, which we've seen increasing now in these recent years. Well, look, I mean, you know, there, there's an article that's been out for a little while, a year or so, that makes it clear that as far as the, the benefit and the value of churches and, and religious institutions, uh, 
it's to the number of one point trillion dollars in the United States. I mean, that's more than Google, Apple, and Amazon combined. You know, so you think about the value that's brought to the table because of these religious institutions, including churches, and not that you really have to make that argument, but you know, to the extent that people want to talk about this from an economic perspective. And, and I always think it's interesting too, because in, in the way that it's termed sometimes is is a tax benefit, right? Or, or some type of, you know, uh, and that's how Beto O'Rourke um, described it, you know, that it's some tax benefit or whatever. I mean, since when is it the right of the government to 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 uh, punish or to tax a church to begin with? And that's something that you put in your statement about the, you know, the long history uh, of governments and uh, other countries, if you will, going back to Rome, I think you put in your your release that, uh, you know, government entities have not tried to tax churches. And so um, if anything, what he's talking about is new, not the other way around. That's exactly right, Jonathan. And that, and that is important. And most people really don't know that. In fact, a lot of the pastors and churches don't really know the full grasp of the history of, of tax exemption, uh, or really it's called non-taxation. There's a difference between being exempted from tax, which means there is an authority to tax, and being non-taxable. What's interesting, in, in, just in one sense, if you go to file a 501c3, and churches don't have to, That's right. because you right on the application it says it, organizations uh, not required to apply for this status are churches, schools, government agencies. Because churches have a historical standing uh, that is outside the framework of state control. And the state historically has had no jurisdiction over the speech and the practice of churches. Yet we got to have our buildings in, up to code and, and practice safely, and that's all legit uh, framework of interaction. But when it comes down to what happens inside the walls in speech and practice and belief, the, the state has no, no authority. And the taxation, as you can go back to Marbury versus Madison, one of the early landmark cases in our country, which the uh, the framework of the, in the uh, original decision, one of the comments was the power to tax is the power to destroy. Yeah, that's such an so, interesting comment. I saw that in your release. The power to tax is the power to destroy. Uh, you know, look, is you know, when, when April 15th starts to roll around, people will remember that even more. It'll be more real. Uh, a lot of truth there. We're talking with Pastor Dave Welch, the executive director of Texas Pastor Council, also Houston area Pastor Council. Look, you know, you're very involved in what's going on, particularly in the Houston area, not only the state, but sometimes a little bit more focused on what's happening in the Houston area. There's a big election coming up in the Houston area. I mean, I know the the mayor's race is on the ballot. Obviously, there's a lot of attention on what's going to happen in uh, next year and so on as far as state, House, and Senate races, the presidential rate race. But there's a big mayoral election coming up um, in a couple of weeks or so in the Houston area. And a lot of times, pastors will think all this talk. And look, let's finish up these comments about Beto for a second. Okay, this is a trend of the of the it appears some people in the Democratic Party and I haven't heard the DNC come out and 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 really say that, oh, we don't support what Beto said. We think this is not what our party's about. I haven't heard them kind of deny any of that because there's been a trend of the Democratic Party, um, where whether it's votes when it comes to their party platform that don't include God. There's been this trend of them moving away from it and becoming more hostile to religion. I think that's going to create a lot of problems for them at the ballot box. 
Well, I do too, uh, and I believe that the, you know there's a lot of st- statistics out there, including the late, latest Pew Research, that raises some serious red flags for the church in this country in terms of our, our growth and role and impact. But at the end of the day, America in large is still a strong believer in, in deep religious faith, and the, the the willingness to again use use the threat of government power and uh, enforcement to silence people because of their beliefs, no matter what they are, uh, is is ominous. And, and most people, I think, recognize that. But look, you're, you're, the underlying principle here, again, still is that the church, and, you talk, and you're exactly right, Jonathan. In fact, we all know that that trillion-dollar mark is probably way underestimated. But, but what they can't really, of course, measure is the profound impact on the lives of people that restrain behavior, that turn lives around, restore families, that create stability in the community uh, that the government could simply never compensate for. And that's the, the, the greater issue here. But, you know, one thing, too, and I've, I've said this in previous years, as far as our tax exemption, and you, John, you, you mentioned this in, in your, uh, your guys' statement, come and take it. Um, I'll tell you something, that the tax exemption – that they've used as a bludgeon is so insignificant in the actual funding of the church that if it were taken away, in large part, what it would do would completely prove that God doesn't need the state to fund the church and that people will give accordingly to that faith and that the freedom of the church to then step out and do what we've always been called to do might even be greater. So, Frankly, we win either way, but yeah, look, and, we and, know from a principal standpoint, they lose. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, and and you know, this was touched on when the when the sermon subpoena came down in Houston by the former mayor of Houston, Anise Parker. You know, and, and you know, some of the pastors suggested, "Hey, we'd be happy to give uh, share our sermons with her, and and hopefully she would read them, and and hopefully she'd see value in them." It was the fact that it was like. You know, by government power, we're going to force you to do it. So you now lose the ability to decide whether you want to and how that's done. And and many people didn't realize this. It wasn't you and I know this. It wasn't just sermons. They wanted to know notes, any kind of things that you wrote down in the margins, whatever, any sticky notes and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it was really a, an effort by the government to seek and, and really intimidate people and be fearful. Ooh, you better be careful about what you're writing because the government might not might be able to look at that now and they might be able to punish you. And we know that's oftentimes what happens. And so we, we're seeing this more and more shift. And some of it is just people in the um, like Beto O'Rourke and other Democrats, they're just being more honest about how they believe to begin with. And some of it is because they see the church as, as you know, someone to attack and an opponent for the government to have more restriction of because they don't like it that a lot of people of faith uh, have biblical values and they don't share those biblical values. So they want the, co- the government to force people to believe the way that they do. And that's not how it works in the United States. It's not how it's supposed to work. Now, if people can rewrite the Constitution, if they we put the wrong people in office, we could see more of that. And so I was starting to, to transition towards Houston. You got a big election coming up. Because a lot of times people don't think about that. Well, the mayor's election, I mean, you know, they're focused on Trump and on, on the presidential, and that's important. But this election at the local level coming up in the Houston area is pretty important, too. 
Absolutely, and you you, you touched on the the fact that you you know electing the right people is the is the basic foundation of all of the rest of what happens with government. It's just you know we all know that, and it's that simple. But unfortunately, uh, we're we're much too attuned to complaining about the outcome than we are about being part of the solution. And in Houston, right now. There are 17 races on the ballot, 17 positions, the mayor and 16 city council positions. There were over 130 candidates filed to these positions this wow. year. It's uh, Yeah, it's just really a horse race. But uh, there are numbers of candidates for mayor. Uh, this current mayor is, is in serious trouble. Uh, he has been, we call him Anise the Second because in, in most ways of his governance, he has been the same as his predecessor, uh, and on the issue of the ordinance we defeated before, what we've been warning our folks here is that, look, if he gets reelected or, frankly, if almost all the rest of the candidates except for one really get elected, we're going to face that again. Uh, we're going to beef up the city council, and it's all about turnout. We're pushing churches hard to make sure everybody votes. We've put out a voter guide. But it's great news, though, Jonathan, this year is – uh, so often our frustration is we can't we don't have any good people to choose from on the ballot. We have this year we have one of our own pastors, Willie Davis, one of our champion leaders, uh, the pastor's wife, Erica McCrutchen, uh, one of our deacons at First Baptist, Marvin McNeese, uh, our HPD uh, police and clergy leader, that uh, we, and another uh, bishop's son, uh, Prince Bright. We have some good candidates this year from a Christian worldview standpoint and conservative viewpoint. So, uh, but the impact. What, of what is Dave before Houston we, this fall? Yeah, when, what's the election day, Dave? What What are some of the details on election early day? Early voting. Early voting starts next Monday, and the election is November fifth. But there will be runoff also in most of these elections. We're going to do this twice in in, in the next eight weeks. So, so okay, uh, it, if right now for people watching on Facebook and for people listening on audio, if you live in Houston or if you know someone in Houston. Pay attention. There are local races on the ballot that matter. And to your point, Dave, the reason there was this original, I mean, the bathroom fight initially was Houston. Even though the media tried to flip that when the issue came about privacy at the legislature, they tried to call that the bathroom bill. It was the Privacy Act. It was the opposite of what they were saying that. But the original talk and discussion about bathrooms was in Houston when Maranese Parker tried to force a new law that included special protection for sexual orientation and gender identity. And the way that that would be applied, and we know this for a fact, would have forced private businesses and some um, Christian-owned businesses and possibly some ministries to allow men into women's bathrooms on their private property. There's no question that's ex- and that, and they were clear that was part of what they wanted to do. It wasn't just about on government property. The government wanted to tell private businesses what to do. The people in Houston voted that down. Sixty-one thirty-nine. That's the only time people have ever been able to to vote on this in the state of Texas. And the people said, "No, we don't want the government." forcing us to have to allow men into women's bathrooms. What you and I worked on at the state level would have just made that statewide clear that businesses can't be forced by the government to do that. But 6139, so you got uh, Sylvester Turner, who's the current mayor. We know he supports that policy, even though the voters voted it down. We know he's okay with men going into women's bathrooms in a government policy that forces people to allow that to happen. What about the two other major candidates in that race? Uh, Tony Busby and Bill King. Do you do we have a sense of their position on these issues? 
Well, what we have documented, and this is on our voter guide as well as our website, is we have Tony Busby speaking before the, the Houston Pride group, the LGBT group, uh, completely committing to them that they need protections. Okay, So under Busby, uh, there will be some kind of ordinance developed. And that's and then the, the uh, Bill King has, has basically made it clear he has no interest in such an ordinance, doesn't believe that it's, it's productive or necessary, and will not be part of his agenda. Uh, so that's, you know, amongst the top three or four right now, really King is the only one that's really committed that it's not uh, not going to happen. So, Well, and that's important for people going. when they go to the ballot it box. Is. We're talking with Dave Welch. Been, go ahead. Sorry, Dave. I'm sorry. Well, I'm just going to say, look, Busby has been spending a lot of money. And, look, I'll say in a big scheme of things, probably better than Turner. But don't be fooled. People need to understand uh, that he, he he is supportive of the LGBTQ. We're talking with Dave Welts, the executive director of Texas Pastor Council and Houston Area Pastor Council. It's hard to go to a faith-based event and and not run into Pastor Dave Welch in the city of Houston. We're actually going to be there uh, at one together on November 13th. This is at Wynwood Church. Uh, I'm on the panel. Pastor Dave Welch is on the panel. Uh, State Representative Tom Oliverson. That's going to be a great event, November 13th. 6.30 through 8. We also have our big gala coming up on November 15th um, in Houston where we're going to be talking about a lot of these issues. Dave, let me let me round this out, too, on um, you know, and kind of take things back to you and I did some work during the legislative session on issues that we care about. And this kind of touches on in our previous topic. You know, the Save Chick-fil-A Religious Freedom Bill does more than just uh, touch on the Chick-fil-A issue, even though that's important. But it's a it's a uh, an important step to some of the work that we've been doing. But even that bill, what I recall, there was only one Democrat that voted for this bill, and that was Eddie Lucio in the Texas Senate. I don't think any of the other Democrats voted for it. So you have to believe their view is. You know, with I mean, since they didn't support it, their view is the government should ban Chick-fil-A from being able to have stores if it's at a place like an airport where the government has any type of control. Our impression and, and our feedback and what we're hearing, that is not what people support, whether you're Republican or Democrat. No, that's that's right. Now, I think we do have a cause to be increasingly concerned a bit and largely just because of the whole narrative look down to one of the things you talk about buying power one of the reports that came out this year on the national level the uh, bloomberg report and usa today and other major financial publications including all the major lgbtq publications were proudly proclaiming the trillion dollar plus buying power of the lgbt community which was equivalent to ethnic groups many times their size so and the, and the issue was they were attributing the massive buying power to be highly educated, high-paying jobs. So here's the question. Where's the discrimination? It doesn't exist. It's a good point. Are individual yeah. people treated you know, poorly here and there? Of course. Uh, and nobody believes and agrees with that. But, you, but what we're talking about here is the, the attempt to impose a massive law, which, by the way, the Equality Act, which passed out of the U.S. House and sitting in the Senate, is what I call the National Hero Ordinance and does the same thing. That's what they're pushing for, which is criminalizing Christian faith and, frankly, it criminalizes the core Orthodox beliefs of all three major world religions. 
And well, and we're about to run out of time. We're about to run out of time. You'll remember during the legislative session, Dave, we were calling those type of efforts ban the Bible bills because many of them either directly or in some effect can can do that. I want, before we finish up, though, a charge that you can give to pastors and, and people that are ministry leaders in churches because my experience has been, you know, if the church could just at least say there's an election next week, please go vote, we, we would be you know, advancing things or there'd be more engagement than there is now. And it's always great when there's pastors like yours and others that are more involved, they've got the voters guide and all that, and and all that's wonderful. And, you know, we fully support that. But a lot of times if churches would just say there's an election, talk to pastors and church leaders for, for our last 10, 15 seconds here about a simple message they could be doing and why it's valuable on these issues. Well, look, governing is the exercise of authority. And all authority comes from God, and all that authority in this country is vested with the people. We transfer God's authority through the vote to others to exercise laws that will either be just or unjust, godly or ungodly, and we do that in our in the election process. And that is why everybody has a has a sacred duty to vote and vote biblically. Pastors, you need to one we call it voter information, voter preparation. Teach your people the principles. Voter registration; they got to be registered. Voter information. They have to know who to vote for, who are the candidates, and voter activation. Everybody gets out. If pastors will do those four things, just basics and teaching principles and getting them out, then it will make a massive difference in what happens in every single election. That's great. I couldn't have said any better. Dave Welch, Pastor Dave Welch is from the Texas Pastor Council, has been our guest today on the Texas Values Report. God bless you, Dave. Thanks, gentlemen. God bless. Well, that's great to get a feedback and a report, if you will, from the front lines in Houston. Big election coming up, mayor election. Mayor election. If you live in the city of Houston, some people live in Kingwood, and they don't realize, yeah, you're in the city of Houston. Now, people that live there a long time know that because they remember when Kingwood was annexed by the city of Houston. But there's some suburbs, if you will, that are a part of the city of Houston. So if you're not sure, ask somebody, send an email to our office. We'll help you get it sorted out. But very important election coming up. And um, I want to mention, too, but I keep forgetting to do this uh, earlier in the show, one of our um, supporters and our sponsors for the Texas Values Report is Eagle Peak Shooting Range right here in the Central Texas area in Leander. They've got a great website. If you're listening and you're in the um, Dallas-Fort Worth area, there's a, a shooting range in Garland that's by the same owner. Eagle Peak Shooting Range right here in Central Texas is our sponsor for this segment, if you will, of the Texas Values Report. Uh, uh, Look, uh, Trump was in town this week, okay? A lot of buzz about that, if you will. And it's very important to engage on what's happening nationally. It's also important to know what's going on locally with the mayor's race going on in Houston. Big issues coming up still on the sex education here for Austin ISD. Another round of meetings this week where our team was shut out. So were other concerned parents. But the big vote's going to come on uh, October 28th. So stay tuned for more information on that. And you see this on the back of my laptop if you're watching online. But if you're listening, the Texas Values Gala, November 15th in Houston on a Friday night. Dennis Prager is our keynote speaker. Wow, is that guy active, okay? Nationally syndicated radio host. He's got PragerU videos that are blowing up social media. A lot of great stuff and effort that he's involved in 
on the same principles that we care about. He's going to be our keynote speaker at the Texas Values Gala November 15th. Also, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is going to be one of our speakers. Man, what a one-two punch, if you will, a combo that we're going to have for our Texas Values Gala. We're also giving out our awards to legislators that day, so you're going to be able to interact with a lot of elected officials, grassroots leaders, people that have, have personal testimonies about how their work has been impacted by what we do. You're going to hear from them. You're going to be able to meet them in person. Buy your tickets today for the Texas Values Gala. Go to txvalues.org forward slash gala, or just go to the main website, txvalues.org. You'll see information about the gala right there on our homepage. Uh, Look, this event sells out every year. This is our biggest annual event. It will sell out. uh, Ticket sales are picking up quite a bit, so you don't want to miss out. Um, you could host a table. You can get individual tickets. A lot of great options. Texas Values Gala, November 15th in Houston. Dennis Prager, keynote speaker, along with special guest Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. So, um, w- look, a lot of buzz this week, as I said, about uh, Trump being in Texas. And, you know, look, they're, I don't know, they're getting a lot of momentum. And when you look at what's happening and how Democrats are or some of the candidates or at least are talking more negatively about the influence of religion and God they're wanting to attack that more we're seeing people engage at a higher level on this issue they're very concerned you got to take it seriously I mean this is what they want to do they want to attack churches they want churches to be afraid that they're going to lose their tax exempt status they're going to end up in court All kinds of things that take away from them being able to do what they do, which is to serve community and to preach God's word. And, you know, we're going to be standing up for those values because that's what we do here at Texas Values. And we hope to talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.